0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ the St. Paul, located in Monta Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to FCCStPaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Um, Before we go into the sermon, just a quick note. Um, You may see this insert that says, After Sunday Reflections. Um, Hoping to start a new habit here, and that is that we hopefully make the sermon a little bit more um, interactive, that there's a way of taking this from the worship. Um, We're kind of doing this in two ways for people who are more... Online, we're actually putting these up before worship on Sunday to prepare people for worship. But um, also, we have the option that you can do this after worship and take it with you. Um, so we have, you know, the, the text where you can go in to um, find it and read it, and then there are some questions to think about in the coming week. And if you ever want to share those questions, um, please feel free to do so. You can... Um, either drop them off here, or you can send it via email. And um, it's kind of a way of us to engage with the text um, beyond just me talking. Um, that to hopefully to have some way that we can all be part of the sermon. So our text for today comes from the fourth chapter of Luke, verses fourteen through twenty-one. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God, amen. Well, I have always been fascinated by physics. I've always been fascinated by things like the air pressure that can cause a plane to fly and to stay in the air or the mass that determines how long it takes for a train to stop. Now, I said I've always loved physics, but what's always tripped me up was the math. In my mind, I can understand things like pressure and force and gravity, and I can see, and I'm always fascinated to see how objects are, react to certain changed environments. One of the more interesting kinds of physics is the type of force. There are two types of forces that are fascinating to me, and that's centripetal and centrifugal force. One of these forces, centripetal, is the, for, is the force that places pressure on an object that it will basically lean inward into a curved path. Centrifugal, is the opposite thing. It basically pushes you out sometimes on that same fixed curved path. The way I always remember the difference between centripetal and centrifugal is simply because centripetal has the word trip in it. And it reminds me that you can only really trip forward. So, That's how I remembered it, and then if that's centripetal, then the other one has to be, of course, centrifugal. So a few weeks ago, I had a guest on a podcast that I do, and he had written something back in May that had talked about how churches can act in ways that are centripetal or centrifugal. Lauren Richmond is a Disciples of Christ pastor. He lives in Colorado, and he wrote and observed. He is someone that grew up in evangelical churches, has just recently, over the last few years, moved into more mainline Protestant um, churches, and he has been fascinated by the fact that mainline Protestant congregations and whole denominations, we spend a lot of money, in some ways, trying to maintain the institution And when he saw that, when he said it, it kind of basically means that the church is acting in a centripetal fashion. Now that doesn't mean that the institutions like churches or denominations are not worth investing in. But what he was saying is that the focus sometimes is solely on maintenance. He would describe a church that is focused outward as one where the church is basically leaning outside, reaching to people who may not be Christians or, or people who may have not gone to church in a while and need and are, are want to have a faith community, or towards co- the community that might be in need of food or housing or simply friendship. That is how you describe a centrifugal church. For Lauren, the question he has about churches and denominations is, do we simply hold things in, or do we let it go? The text today in Luke is filled with the Spirit, literally. It starts off telling us that Jesus is filled with the Spirit And when Jesus enters the synagogue, he starts to read from Isaiah. And he starts it off by saying the following phrase: the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, we didn't read this part of chapter four, but that chapter starts with Jesus telling us, with the with Luke telling us that Jesus is filled with the Spirit. He had just been baptized by his cousin John. And the Spirit leads him into the desert where he is tempted by the devil. And the Holy Spirit throughout this chapter is everywhere. It's not in his passage. And in some ways, if you think about it, it's not shocking. The writer of this book, Luke, basically also wrote Acts. If you're a theolog for theologians sometimes when they talk about Luke, they actually call it Luke Acts because Luke and Acts are basically Volume One and Volume Two. They're written by the same person, and the themes of one carries into the other. And in the Book of Acts, sometimes people it, it has been traditionally called the Acts of the Apostles, but sometimes people have wanted to call it the Acts of the Spirit, because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the main actor in that book starting with the second chapter of Acts, the story of Pentecost, we learn that the Spirit comes to the disciples of Jesus. And throughout the entire book of Acts, the Spirit is leading people out of Jerusalem into the ends of the known world, carrying the good news of Jesus. Now here is something that we should know about the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a centrifugal force. I'm not saying, and I should say, that centripetal is not bad. That sometimes is necessary. But the Holy Spirit is, in many ways, constantly pulling us away from what is familiar, from what is safe, and into new experiences and new worlds. The spirit was the one that pushes Jesus into ministry, into healing, into teaching. In Acts, the spirit pushes Peter to preach the good news to Cornelius, who is a Gentile and a Roman to boot. The spirit, also in the book of Acts, leads Philip to tell the gospel to an Ethiopian eunuch, showing that the good news of Jesus goes not only beyond national boundaries, but racial boundaries. One day Jesus is speaking to his hometown crowd and he tells them that the Holy Spirit is leading him to preach good news to the poor, liberty for the prisoners and allowing the blind to see and freeing the oppressed. Jesus was on a mission and it was a mission that was set by the Holy Spirit. The other thing that we should know is that Jesus is not just doing busy work. The content is as important as the action. Jesus is preaching the gospel, the good news. And what is the good news? The good news is Jesus. Jesus is the one that brings salvation, the one that makes us righteous before God. Jesus is the one that heals the rift between God and creation. Jesus is saying the good news is here. He is here to bring healing and reconciliation. But the spirit didn't stop with Jesus. The spirit then moved on to the disciples and after Jesus had ascended into heaven, the disciples end up in a room in Jerusalem waiting for something. We hear that a wind comes into the room and tongues of fire sit on people's heads, they speak in different languages, and frankly, they were never, ever the same. They went on to create communities where everyone shared, where everyone in that community shared with those in need. This is a picture of the early church. This is a picture of how the church should act: a community that cares for each other, that goes out to preach for other to others outside of the community. It is a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The passage for today has implications for modern congregations and for us as a congregation as well. If we want to be a viable and sustainable congregation, we have to be a centrifugal congregation that is sent outward and filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to be a community of faith that is not just busy for our own sake, but because we are curious folk that are ready to see where God is at work in the world and join in. We are to be drawn out, but we are to be drawn by the Holy Spirit into places and experiences that brings the good news. The crucial question for this congregation It's not that we choose to be outward focused, but it is to be open to where the spirit is leading. Sometimes leading us outward will mean starting new ministries, or maybe we will do something for a family in need. It might be inviting a neighbor, not just to church, though we would like that, but also to coffee, to talk about life, to be able to share your faith and how your faith in God makes a difference. Sometimes being outward focused means welcoming outsiders into the community. It means showing showing hospitality to visitors and a willingness to welcome them with open arms. Hopefully, Next week, a group of us from church will be meeting with realtors to kind of decide on some things. And hopefully then, after we have talked to the realtors, we will talk to you and also listen to what you have to say. Moving is not something that is at least something that I like to seek. Um, I am someone that doesn't always like about a, like a lot of change and it isn't easy to consider moving and selling our building. I, there's always that fear that moving may not solve any problems. It may not change the situation of our congregation and the fact is people might be correct. Moving alone isn't gonna solve everything. But we can pray that if we move, it will force us to be more open, to be more open to the spirit and to move outward beyond just trying to keep our institution going and then trying to be servants, servants of God to the community around us, and also to the people in our own lives. And we have a whole lot of questions. If we sell the building, what do we do with the proceeds? Do we spend it on ourselves to buy a new building or do we allow God to move us in ways that can not only just spend for our own future, but also benefit the wider church and the wider world? Where is God active that make needs financial support? When I was a kid, I grew up at a predominantly African-American church back in Flint that was pretty charismatic. And for those of you who are know what it means to be charismatic, it meant that people would sometimes what they would say talk in the Holy Spirit, which was usually in something that seemed incomprehensible. It meant sometimes people who were yelling and running up and down the church aisle. And I was always kind of told that these were people that were filled with the Spirit. And when you're like six or seven or eight and you see all this, at least for me, it kind of scared me. And it kind of scared me about the Holy Spirit because that seemed weird and I didn't want to do that. It wasn't until I got older that I understand, understood what the Holy Spirit was all about. I'm not, I don't want to denigrate or say or doubt people's experience of the Holy Spirit in that way. But I also think that the Spirit can act act in ways that are quiet and subtle and sometimes probably are more scary than what I saw growing up. Because sometimes the Spirit calls us to move away from our sense of security. It may mean that we are being open to change. And like I said, I don't like change. And I know a lot of you don't like change. But I think that the life of the Holy Spirit really is one of change and of new life. It is about dying to the familiar and being open to where God is at work and joining in. The life of the spirit really is one about dying and being reborn. In some ways the hard truth is this congregation is in many ways dying. And we can't pretend that it isn't. But that's not the whole story. I also think that the church is being reborn. Are we willing and are we ready to die in this form? And are we ready to be born again in a way that the spirit can remold us and fashion us? Are we willing to to be centrifugal? I hope and I pray that the Holy Spirit will be upon us and lead us in ways that we can't imagine. Now I want to end with a prayer. This is a prayer that I first heard and was used by Salem English Lutheran Church in Minneapolis. I first heard it when I was the associate pastor at first Christian in Minneapolis. Around the time that I was there, between 2008 and and, and 2013, the church had sold their building and we're starting to think about moving. And we went through a long process of trying to find places that we wanted to move. And then we came upon Salem and Lindale, United Church of Christ that had already begun a partnership of sharing a building and sharing space, and they were in the process of moving out of the building that Salem had to, re- to basically rebuild it into something new. And so first joined in to be a con- to be basically three congregations sharing a space together which became Spring House. It wasn't a merger, all three congregations are still the same, but they were separate but moving in together. And that of course causes a lot of things because it it means you're moving away from something that is familiar, especially for this church that had been in this location since 1955 and now is moving to something different. And so through all of the times that we as of the three congregations met and we were talking about what we were going to do, what rooms were going to be like, what the sound system, where we were going to worship, all of that, we would conclude each meeting with this prayer. It is called the Holden Prayer, and it's named after Holden Village, which is a Lutheran retreat center in Washington State. And so, I want to share this prayer this morning, and I am hoping that it will be our prayer as well, especially during this time of uncertainty and change. So listen to these words. Oh God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending by paths, as yet, untrodden through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love is supporting us. May it be so for us as well. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's f-c-c-s-a-i-n-t-p-a-u-l org. May God be with you in the coming week.